Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I have to have a title to this. The title is simply, um, Who Are You and What Are You Doing Here? Who are you and what are you doing here? Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you would touch everybody in this room. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak hope and love and purpose in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Okay, let's start this out. It was hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago, there was a man. His name was Akivia. Akivia was called a master teacher. A master teacher. If you had like questions about life, philosophy, stuff like that, you'd go to Akivia and he would answer those deep, dark questions that you needed to be answered. One day, Akivia was walking home down the path. And he was in deep thought, like those brothers always do. And he walked right past the exit off the path to his village. He was in such deep thought, he didn't even realize how far he had gone the wrong way. Until he came up to the Roman fortress. Big Roman fortress. And when he got close to it, as he started coming out of his thoughts... He could hear a soldier. Here we go. This soldier was screaming to the top of his lungs. Who are you? And what are you doing here? And he did again. He said, who are you? And what are you doing here? Akivia was shocked. It took him back. He kind of realized what he had done. But to save himself a little time to figure out an answer, he said, what did you say? And that soldier's like, who? And he's up on this big wall. Who are you? And what are you doing here? And Akivia said, how much you get paid? Which is probably not the answer the soldier wanted to hear. But the soldier goes, I get five dirchma a week. And Akivia said, I will double that if you come and work for me. And stand in front of my house every day. And when I walk outside, you look at me and say, who are you and what are you doing here? That's the question tonight. And I got the answer for you. Y'all have no idea what's about to happen, but it's okay. Okay, look at me, look at me, look at me. Here's how this goes. When I was in high school, I was between my junior and senior year. I dated a girl. (laughs) Now you just got to be, thank you, I appreciate that. (laughs) Except she wasn't that smart. Not because she was dating me, but she had to go to summer school. (laughs) So I thought it would be cool if I just went to summer school with her. So I did. I didn't end up staying with that girl, but what happened was the coolest thing ever. When I got to my last year of high school, you ain't going to believe the schedule. First period, gym assistant. Second period. Gym assistant. Third period, gym assistant. Fourth period, government. You had to have that to graduate. Fifth period, football. Sixth period, jazz band. And my day was over. Y'all jealous, aren't you? Now, look, it worked great. It worked great until the very first day of school. On the first day of school, I get to gym class, and I walk in. I said, Coach, what do you need me to do? He said, no, no, no. You're with me next period, second period. You're, they change your schedule. Go to the office. And he went, ha, ha, ha. 
Okay, everybody look at me, especially if you're a teenager. Look at me, bro. If someone in authority says something important and then laughs, it ain't good for you. Remember that, all right? So I go to the school office. That's where all the important people are, especially the four ladies in that front office. They run the world, all right? I walked in and I said, excuse me, did somebody change my schedule? And they said, oh, Reggie, we got something for you. (laughs) That's the second time that happened. They gave me my new schedule and it said room 402. I said, where's that? I've been here three years. We only have three floors. They go, no, there's a fourth floor. I said, no, there's not. They go, yes, they are. I said, no, they are. They go, Reggie, go to the third floor and keep going up the steps. (laughs) Guess what? There was a fourth floor. (laughs) When I got to the fourth floor above the door was two letters, a capital A and a capital P. I had no idea what that meant. Some of y'all do. When I went to 402, I opened the door and walked in and it said, senior class, senior class. I didn't know anybody in the room except one dude. He the kicker on the football team. He looked at me, I looked at him and he said, run, Reggie. <laughs> Before I could turn and leave, a woman said, oh, I've been waiting for you. <laughs> That's three, all right? She was the teacher. My mom had placed me in advanced English. It was called college prep English. Now, I don't know if I hadn't said this. I play football. We don't, no. But I couldn't get out. Now, listen, this class wasn't, it was crazy. You had to read eight books and write eight papers. Each paper had to be eight and a half pages long. And when you got done, you got a grade. By the end of the year, I had a C plus. That's beautiful. Because you know what? Y'all don't know that. Now listen to me. I'm going to mess y'all up. If you're a kid, you're going you're gonna to take this to the grave with you. C's get degrees. One kid just looked at his mom when I told you, and she went, No. In my idea, it is what it is. There was two and a half weeks left in the whole school year. Two and a half weeks left. And now all of a sudden we go to class and I'm thinking this is going to be nap time. We already got my grade. It's over. The teacher gets up in the class on that Monday morning and said, kids, I love you. You're one of my favorite classes ever. Let's do this. Everybody tomorrow, get a favorite book. Bring it to class. We'll read it during class for the next two and a half weeks. And just for the fun of it, let's let's write one last eight page paper together. And some of the students started clapping. (laughs) What is wrong with you? I'm not drinking that Kool-Aid. And the teacher goes, I raised my hand. She said, what, Reggie? I said, any book? She said, any book. All right. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I wrote my last paper in high school on the most simple, most deep book, Humpty Dumpty. No, y'all, eight and a half pages. I broke it down. I started with this. Humpty had to be a teenager. I'm just saying right now. Because if you made out of an egg and you on a wall, <laughs> you either crazy in your mind or you a teenager, all right? Then I said, Humpty was on drugs. He smoked crack. That's what he did. He thought he could fly. He was like, I'm Humpty, Humpty Dumpty. He's like, hey. I'm just saying. Then my conclusion was this. It said The book simply says all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. I got a problem and I got a 
say this. If you've made a mistake, if you've messed up, if you've hurt yourself really, really bad, listen to me. Don't go to a horse. When the last time you saw a horse do surgery? Scalpel. I don't think so. And don't just go to a man. Because the book said all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. So if the horses were there and the men were there, then the king had to be nearby. So the next time you do something you wish you hadn't and it hurt you, go to the king. I would drop the mic, but I don't want to do that. Just see the emoji. It's just like, yeah, that's what happened right there. I, I made a mistake. I handed the book my paper. I handed it in two days too soon. Man. Never hand it in early, okay? It's bad. The teacher read my whole paper in front of the class. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's, I mean, the teacher's laughing. She stopped three times to take a tissue and wipe the tears on her face. I'm like going, I have killed it. I have killed it. I have put a stamp on this class. It is going to be awesome. And then she said, Reggie, you cannot deface my class and my teaching ability like this. And she ripped it up and threw it in the air like confetti. As it floated to the ground, she says, you have two days to get another book and read another and write another paper. I'll give you an incomplete for the whole class. <laughs> Have you ever like had many different reactions go through your head that involved knives and guns? And... <laughs> I didn't have any of those. So I said, yes, ma'am. Then I raised my hand. She said, what? I said, any book? <laughs> and she said, no. I'm going to help you pick one. <laughs> I got it. So can I be honest? You should see this room right now. Everybody's like. You don't know if this is entertaining or not, do you? You're like, we'll tell you in a minute. All right. And like everybody's like, what scripture is he reading? He ain't read one. He hasn't even mentioned Bible, Jesus, nothing. <laughs> Only dude he said was Bruno Mars. <laughs> I may never be back at Free Chapel again. <laughs> nah, I'm just joking. Yeah, I will. <laughs> On the fifth row from the back. <laughs> so check it out. I saw a book. I brought it to her. I thought it would be cool. Because I'm old, okay, I'm old. I'm 54. I'll be 55 on July 18th. And I said it this morning. Y'all know I look good, don't I? You know why? Black don't crack. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, just, I had to use that. <laughs> you know it's true, man. I'm just the brother on the front row went. That's why I said, you know it's true. And he went, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what the book said. It said M-A-S-H. M-A-S-H. When I was a kid growing up, it was a comedy show on TV. Anybody remember that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? 4077 MASH, Radar, Hawkeye, all that stuff. So I thought, if I got to read a book in two days, it might as well be fun. So I grabbed that book, and I read that book. It wasn't funny. It was about the real mobile hospital unit in the real Korean War with real soldiers, real doctors, real nurses, and real people dying. And I'm going to tell you, tonight, it was chapter 9. Chapter 9 changed my life. And here's how it went. In chapter 9, it starts by saying... Every time the nurses and doctors heard this sound, helicopter, they knew somebody was coming who was hurt. 
Somebody was coming who was wounded. Somebody was coming who needed help. So when they heard that sound, everybody had their spot where they went to do their job to save a soldier's life. That's what they did. But something went wrong. You see, they found out that while they were saving soldiers' lives, other soldiers would die. They would bleed out because all they had to do was stop the bleeding and come back later and help them. So they decided this mass unit, they had to lose to win. So here's what they did. True story. They took one doctor and two nurses. Every day they would rotate that doctor and the two nurses. The doctor's job was to look at every wound of every soldier and to put it in three different categories. The second nurse would listen for the doctor. He would say one of three colors. He would say yellow or blue or red. Let me explain. You want yellow, you want yellow. Touch your neighbor and say, you want yellow. You do, you want yellow. Yellow means you're not hurt bad. Give you something for the pain, come back later. We'll stitch you up, you'll be fine. If you can't get yellow, you want blue. Everybody hit somebody and say, you want blue, bro, you want blue. Blue means you're hurt bad, but if we get you to surgery, we can save your life. If you can't get yellow and you can't get blue, you do not want red. You don't want red. Red means you're hurt too bad. There's nothing we can do. We cannot save your life. You're going to die. When the doctor would say red, the nurse would put a tag on the wrist or on the ankle. And that last nurse, one doctor, two nurses, the second nurse, they called her the kiss of death. All she had in her pockets was syringes full of a drug called morphine. When she saw a red tag, she would aim for the arm or the thigh, push the needle in, push the drug in. She would turn around, count to 20, turn back around, and the soldier would be dead. In the Korean War, that's how they did it. One day, one day, one day, they had too many, such as so many wounded soldiers. It was unbelievable. It was overwhelming. And the doctor was calling out colors and the girl was tagging. And the girl came with the, with the syringes and, and the morphine. And there was one soldier and the doctor goes red and he walked away. She put the tag on his ankle and she walked away. The girl came with the shot. She went to put it in his arm. When she got ready to throw it in, the boy, the soldier, grabbed her arm and said, It's okay, it's okay. Go ahead, it's okay. Just tell my wife I love her. Tell my kids I did it for them. I just want them to be free. It's okay. It's okay. And he laid his head back and he waited to die. But that little nurse, something clicked inside of her. She reached in her back pocket and pulled out a pair of scissors. She clipped off the red tag she had just met another nurse put on. She had a blue one in her pocket. She pulled it out and put it where the red tag used to be. Called for the orderlies and they took him to surgery. Somebody say one week. Somebody say three weeks. Somebody say three months. Three months went by, three months, and then all of a sudden it happened. It was a Saturday. No wounded soldiers all day. That has been years since that had happened. On Sunday, no wounded soldiers. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, no wounded soldiers. Saturday, no wounded soldiers. On Sunday, the helicopter sound you heard earlier, they heard it again. Everybody ran to their station, and when the helicopters came and landed, 
it was like Green Beret and Navy SEALs and they weren't hurt. Instead, they went in, the, went in the woods and some of the doctors went and said, what are you doing? They go, he's coming. They went to another sniper who was setting up and they go, why are you doing this? He goes, he's coming. And they started getting around the camp. These soldiers are here to protect somebody who's coming. And they go, who's coming? And that's when it happened. Four limousines pulled up exactly the same. So you didn't know who was in what limousine. When the third one stopped, the door opened and a five-star general stepped out. This five-star general was a country boy. He was the man. Vietnam, Korea, all the wars, he was the man. He stepped out and said, how y'all doing? He said, y'all wonderful. Mash. I love it. You saved so many of my boys. Can I see every doctor and nurse in the cafeteria? You got five minutes to get them there, please. Everybody gets in the cafeteria. People are talking. What are we doing? What's going on? All of a sudden, this five-star general stepped in the side door. Everybody jumped up, snapped to attention. He said, oh, no, y'all. Y'all can sit down. They're making steaks in the back. That's what you smell. This won't take long, but I got a question. He held up a patient chart. He said, what's this red slash? And the doctor explained the colors. Yellow, not hurt bad. Blue, take you to surgery. Red, you're hurt too bad. Gave you a shot of morphine. Whoever that is, they're dead. He goes, I got that. What if I told you for three months we've been tracing the paperwork? Because this boy, this paperwork with the red slash, what if I told you he's at home with his wife and kids? What if I told you that the smart guys at the Pentagon told us that this has to do with your mass unit. That somebody in this room changed that boy's tag. And I came to see and to find out who did it. And there's somebody in this room. No one's transferred out. No one's transferred in in three months. So who did it? And you need to stand right now. It got quiet. The little girl, the nurse, she was on this side of the room, halfway back, five rows from the back, third seat in. When she stood up and raised her hand and the general saw her, it's the stuff that they write in books and the stuff that makes Reggie never forget it. That general jumped off the stage, started running toward the woman. She had moved into the aisle. He tripped the general and he fell. He didn't even get up. He crawled on his hands and knees, grabbed her by the ankles. Everybody's making comments. But when they got quiet and they got real quiet, all everyone could hear was a five-star general screaming to the top of his lungs, That was my son! You saved my son! Ladies and gentlemen, look at me and hear me now. We were born in sin, we're supposed to live in sin, and we're supposed to die in sin. That red tag is meant for us. No matter what we do, we're supposed to die. No matter what we believe, we're supposed to die. No matter what actions we make, we're supposed to die. Then God decided to let his only son come to this planet and become a man and to live for 34 years and to die on the cross for no reason and to rise on the third day so that he could be the greatest tag changer ever. You know who you are? you've been bought with the price you know who you are you're a child of God whether you believe it or not you know who you are only thing that matters is you gotta choose him cause guess what your tag can be changed tonight your tag can be changed in this room who am I I'm a sinner saved by grace and what am I doing I'm here to change somebody's tag. He didn't save me to get me to heaven. He saved me to be hope for someone else. And if he did that for me, he could do it for you. Can I read something to you? Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 32. Luke 
chapter 23, verse 32 in the NIV. When you get there, I'm going to read it to you. It's a simple story. Man, is it ever powerful. Everybody, could you say three words for me? Everybody say, Jesus, remember me. Come on, say it again. Say, Jesus, remember me. Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to a place called the skull, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Stop right there. Now, I went to seminary, and I found something in seminary that was pretty cool. The day that they crucified Jesus was a Roman holiday, and they had some weird rules during their holiday. One rule, they couldn't kill more than three men. That's why there was a convicted murderer who got to go free. His name was Barabbas. Number two, they couldn't crucify three men more than eight feet apart. Eight feet apart. Let me show you what that looks like. Let's start about right here. Every time I step, you say, count, count with me. Count my steps. Ready? Here we go. Okay, that was like eight people. And somebody over here, you were counting good. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Hey, everybody, help me out. Come on. That's good. Come on. That's really good. Come on. Come on, one more. All right, so there was a thief right there. Jesus is in the middle. Cool. Keep going. We're going to go with five. Ready? Here we go. That's real good. That's almost there. One more. And there was a thief here. Now, you know what's cool about that? Let me help you out. I don't care who you are tonight. I don't care what you've done tonight. I don't care where you've been tonight. I don't care what's on your mind tonight. I don't care the activity that you were a part of this morning. All I know is to tell you this, that you are only four steps from hope. You are four steps from the man in the middle. You're four steps from having your life changed. You're four steps, no matter what you've been through. You're four steps either way to the guy who could change everything and make you whole. You're four steps from the tag changer. You're four steps from the history maker. You're four steps from everything being changed and amen. If you know what I'm saying, say amen. You're four steps. Now check this out. Let me keep reading. Verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes by casting lots. One of the criminals. Everybody say one of them. I tried to find out if it was the one on the left or the right, but I don't know which one it was. I have no idea which way. It just says one of the criminals, one of the ones, one of the criminals, one of the ones. So here it is. In the room tonight, we're all thieves, every one of us. The only problem is we don't know if you're on the left or if you're on the right. And the only thing that proves which one you are are the way that you act, all right? It's the response that you give. It's what you say to Jesus. It's how you treat him. Damn, I'm preaching good. Watch this. One of the criminals hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and save us too. Verse 40. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man did nothing wrong. Then he, the thief, said to Jesus, those famous three words, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. You know what I love? Jesus is at his darkest moment. Jesus was about to die for the sin of the world. And he was all alone. He was all alone. And the most unlikely person to proclaim who he was in that moment was somebody who was dying with him. When Jesus started his ministry, he saved the lost. And now when he ends his ministry on earth, he saves a thief. 
Oh my goodness, I love that. You know why? Because I ain't no, I ain't nothing, man. Just because you got a mic preaching at Free Chapel means nothing. You know who you are who you are. And you know what? I said it every service. I'm the son of a prostitute. My mom slept with a man for 20 bucks. And tonight when I got ready to preach, a man looked at me and said, Hey, could you do me a favor? Give me a shout out. I said, What do you want me to say? Say I'm preaching for the old man who believes in Jesus in the room tonight. So guess what? I'm preaching for the old man who believes in Jesus in the room tonight. And I believe if he wanted and if he could, he would say to everybody, give your life to Jesus. It ain't too late to turn to the cross. The man in the middle loves you. The man in the middle cares for you. Doesn't matter why you're on the cross. Doesn't matter why you're dying. He can speak hope even in his last minutes. See, the first thing this man did, this thief on the cross, the first sign was when he proclaimed who Jesus was. He looked at his friend and said, don't you fear God? The first sign of repentance is when you realize who you are. Then he said this, we deserve what we've done. We deserve to die for what we've done. But this man did nothing wrong. Up until that point in the Bible, up until before, this dude, this thief was nasty, mean. He was stealing and got caught and still didn't ask God for help. He got beat when he went to prison and didn't ask God for help. He was hanging on a cross, dying. But it wasn't until Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Then it was revealed to him who that man in the middle was. I've been praying all afternoon that God would reveal to somebody who Jesus is through my silly little story stories and my silly little sermon and the track with the music and the helicopter and the tag changer it comes down to this you're living in sin my friend you're living in messed up bondage my friend but it ain't over the devil wants you to think it's over but Jesus came to set the captive free and even if you think you're dying you're just a man on the cross you're just a thief and you know what that thief couldn't do nothing for Jesus that thief couldn't tell nobody about Jesus that thief couldn't come and die he couldn't do nothing but die matter of fact there was a Roman soldier coming to break his legs and let him die. And at that moment, he proclaimed who Jesus was and said three words that ring throughout time. Three words that ring throughout history. Jesus, remember me. This thief had faith. More faith, I think, than anybody ever in the Bible. Somebody like, wait a minute, what about Abraham, the father of faith? Well, God worked with him for 25 years before he took a stand. What about Moses? That brother had to see a burning bush that could talk. Try that today. See how far you go. You'll end up with a jacket hugging yourself. That's faith, y'all. It's faith. He faith. He could. He had nothing to lose. And all he did was proclaim the truth. You got to believe I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that Jesus turned the water into wine. I believe that Mary was a virgin when she gave birth to Jesus. I believe that Jesus grew to become that man. I believe that Jesus made a crippled man walk and a blind man see. I believe that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after being dead for four days. I believe that Jesus can do anything and everything. And I believe that he died for me. I believed it. I believe it. Listen to me. That thief was the first conversion with the new covenant. Whoa. When, when God tore that right when God tore that veil in half that thief was the first one that could walk through into paradise and he was nothing but a loser like me if you're a loser today Jesus remember me 
Who are you? And what are you doing here? Let me help you answer that. Everybody say, who are you? I'm lost. Say it again. Who, who are you? I'm hurt. Say, who are you? I'm lonely. Say, who are you? I'm ashamed. Say, who are you? I'm a sinner. Say, who are you? I'm disappointed. Now watch this one. What are you doing here? Everybody say, what are you doing here? Nothing. Say, what are you doing here? I'm dying. Say, what are you doing here? I'm giving up. Say, what are you doing here? I'm giving in. Say, what are you doing here? I'm hiding. Say, what are you doing here? I'm running. Last one. Say, what are you doing here? I don't know. I just don't know what to do. Look to the man in the middle. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl here. God, you love us. God, I preach pretty hard. I don't think I left anything from doubt. I don't think anybody has to wonder what I'm really trying to say. But God, I'm coming after souls today. God, there's somebody hanging on the cross of their own sin and they realize I deserve to die. But instead of giving up, don't give up, don't give up. Give in to the man in the middle. Give it to the man in the middle. I'm speaking as if someone's about to give up on life itself. God, in the past two and a half weeks, suicide has quadrupled in the United States of America alone. God, I speak hope. God, I speak hope. The Bible says, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's it. It's Jesus. He's the tag changer. He's the original one. If he hadn't changed your tag, you can't do nothing without him. What's crazy is we hold the red tag of sin, the red tag of death, and Jesus is like, give it to me. And he gave us the free will to let it go or to grip it tighter. Let go of the hurt this morning. Let go of the sadness. Let go of the sorrow. I don't know if you're in this room or watching online. But we're going to ask Jesus to save us. I'm one of them old time brothers. You know what I'm saying? 54, just preach on salvation. I package it different though. I package it new school, but it's still the same old thing. I'm a thief. I deserve to die. But Jesus gave me a chance. You know what's sad? The other thief. Why did he die like that? His friend even tried to get him to come across. He said, don't you fear God? You see what I am? I'm just a thief on the other side. I'm going to die. They're going to break my legs. I know. But this life has got to mean something. It's got to be worth something. So I let Jesus change my tag. And I do everything in my mind, my heart, my soul, and my physical being to change someone else's tag. So here's the deal. If you're a sinner tonight, this is your life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.